Company. Hey, welcome to kickoff. Let's give it up. Hey, make some noise. Happy to be in this place with you guys tonight. You guys can go ahead and have a seat. The place is bumping so much, it's ringing in here. Let's go. Hey, wow, it is good to be back. Welcome to Salt Company, Minneapolis. We're so glad that you guys are here. My name is Austin, and I have the privilege of working here at Salt Company, and just wanted to welcome you guys, but also want to get a feel for who's in the room right now. So can you help me out, please? If this is a returning year, if you are returning to Salt Company this year, would you make some noise? Who's here returning? Oh, wow. That's what I like to hear. Welcome back, guys. It's going to be a great year. But can we make some noise if this is your first time at Soul Company tonight? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, there, there it is, there it is. You guys will get used to it. Hey, welcome if this is your first time. We're so glad that you would take time and energy to spend a Thursday night with us. We're so stoked to kick off the year. And all of us, I want to give a distinct welcome to one specific group of people. The class of 2027, can we make some noise for the freshmen? Welcome to Salt Company. Yes. Man, if you are a freshman, you're in for a treat, guys. College is awesome. College is such a sweet time. Yes, Luke loves it. Man, you get to meet sweet people, make sweet memories, learn things. And I, I really hope that that's your experience this year and throughout college. It's an important time. And, you know, your mom probably told you this as she was sending you off to school, but she probably said something like, hey, your friends matter, you know, didn't she? She said your friends really matter. It matters the people that you spend your time with, and I couldn't agree more, honestly. I'm thankful for your mom, and I'm really thankful for her wise words that she would tell you that your friends matter, and if you're looking for a friend, I just want to tell you that you're in the right place. Friendship matters a bunch to us at Salt Company, and actually tonight, I want to tell a story from the Bible about how friendship actually changed a guy's life. That the, guy, the people that he was spending his time with, the people that were close to him, that invested in him, they changed his life for the better. And I think that's true for you. So if you're looking for a friend tonight, you guys are in the right place. I hope you'll enjoy this story. I love it deeply. It's from Mark chapter 2. So hey, if you've got a Bible... Or even a phone. You guys could look this up on your phone. We're looking at Mark chapter 2 tonight. And uh, this is something we do every week at Soul Company. We open up the Bible. We think it's got amazing things to say. We think that it's actually God's voice revealed in writing that we can look at and study and enjoy. So tonight we're looking at Mark chapter 2. Man, friendship matters it matters to God. It matters to us at Salt Company. So let's start reading in Mark chapter 2. It starts off with friendship. Here we go. This is what it says. And when he returned to Capernaum, after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. 
And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. So here we've got it. We've got a packed house, right? A packed house, and Jesus has become the talk of the town. People are trying to find this guy and hear and see something amazing. He's been performing miracles. He's been teaching the many crowds. But now we find him in a house, and he's trying to lay low a little bit. And the crowd is packed in, nice and cozy. But then at some point, the people sitting down would maybe start to see some rubble fall from the ceiling. They would see a bit of sunlight poking through the house. And all of a sudden, they'd see some fingers ripping away from some of the top of the roof. And then a head poking in and saying, hey, yo, this is the right house. We got him. You know, these guys were trying so hard to find Jesus and get near him. But the door was closed, the place too full. So they ripped open the roof, and down comes a mattress, right? We've got four dudes just lowering this guy on a mattress with ropes, and then slowly but surely he makes its way down to the middle. And we find ourselves staring at a man who can't move, staring at a man on a mat who can't move, a paralyzed man, hoping for a miracle, hoping to meet face-to-face a guy that would change his life forever. And my, my first question for you tonight is just simply this. Do you have friends like that? Do you guys have friends that are going to do whatever it takes to get you near Jesus? Do you guys have friends that are going to do whatever it takes to get you the healing that you need? Do you guys have friends that are going to actually, like, work hard, even though you are a major inconvenience to them. Guys, this guy was paralyzed, and they had to carry him around on a mat. You guys think that the guy that doesn't do his dishes is an inconvenience. They're having to carry this guy around, but they're choosing to do it because they love him. They care about him. They want to actually bring him what he needs. Do you guys have friends like that? Like I said earlier, if you're looking for a friend, man, you're in the right place. We care a lot about bringing people and introducing them to Jesus here at Salt Company. And we think that friendship is where that starts. Healing happens when we do life together. These guys were a great example of that, willing to carry his burdens for him. Later tonight, we're going to have an opportunity for you guys to like get plugged into what we call a campus group. Just a simple tip. I think you should join one. Because friendship matters, and we think that doing life together and bringing people closer to Jesus is the best thing for you. And it might be hard. might take a lot of energy and work, honestly, just like these guys who had to bring him to the top of the roof and lower him down. Maybe it's going to be uncomfortable for you because you're going to be the person that needs to say, man, I need some help. That's uncomfortable. And maybe you're going to be the person that's going to carry burdens of another person this year. That's difficult too. But it's worth it every time. Friendship is where this thing starts. But here's where we see in the four men that were carrying the paralytic. 
that it didn't stop with them. They cared about this man enough to bring him to somebody else, somebody who could actually solve the man's problems. They knew that they couldn't solve everything, and so they needed to bring him to somebody else. And so what did they do? They brought him to Jesus. They brought him face to face with the man they had heard about, a man of miracles. And so we see that as they lowered the bed through the roof and brought the paralyzed man face to face with Jesus, it was at this moment that the spotlight kind of shines on, that, on those two. The room kind of disappears. Though they were surrounded by so many people, it was a crowded room and they were all had their eyes on them. Jesus makes the room small and locks eyes with the paralyzed man. Guys, the same thing can happen for you tonight. That though you're surrounded by people, you can have an intimate interaction with Jesus. He wants to lock eyes with you and say something really special to you tonight. Look what happens next in verse 5. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Okay, imagine being this guy on math. You guys had just brought you up to the top of a roof, lowered you down. We don't know how long this guy has been paralyzed, but probably a long time. And then Jesus simply says, son, your sins are forgiven. This guy is probably thinking, dude, don't forgive me. Please heal me. I'd like to walk again. Right? Do you actually, do you think that he was expecting to hear, son, your sins are forgiven? Or do you think he was expecting to hear, get up and walk? Sometimes I think we think the same way, like, we don't really give a rip about Jesus' forgiveness. We just want a better life. We don't want him to take away the pain of sin, and, and we don't want him to take away the guilt of what we've done against him. We want him to give us more money. We want him to give us the beautiful girlfriend, the handsome boyfriend. We want him to give us a sweet a sweet time in college where we're just like puffing up ourselves. We want an easy life, a comfortable life. We don't necessarily care about his forgiveness. But what we see is that the words of Jesus reveal something true about all of us in this room, something that we may not all intuitively think. That the most serious thing wrong with the man was not the sickness of his body, but that the most serious thing wrong with this man was the sickness in his soul. Because there's a reason that the first words out of Jesus' mouth were about the state of his soul, not his worldly circumstances. He wants to address a more serious problem. And it's the same for you guys. It's the same for me. The reason that we would be brought to the feet of Jesus is because we, before we meet him, until we meet him, we are paralyzed by sin. That's the status of every person until they meet him. We all walk into this room much more vulnerable than we realize. 
Though we might be moving, though we might be living and breathing, we might be paralyzed inside. We might be sick with sin. This is the thing that every person in every corner of the world has in common. It's what the Bible teaches, and it's what we believe here at Salt Company, that the brokenness that we all experience is a result of us saying, I don't want to do life with God. Pushing him away every time that we've given him the finger, every time we've just said, no, God, I think I can rule my life a little bit better than you can, that's sin. It's the thing that pushes God away and rejects him, the desire to do life on your own. Friends, the problem with the world is not primarily out there. It's in here. It's in me. The sin in me is the problem. The sin in you is the problem. We're paralyzed. It's the thing that's causing decay in our world. It's the thing that's causing guilt and shame. It's the thing that is robbing us of the life that we want. The diagnosis from Jesus is quite clear, and it's, it's an opportunity for us to either accept or deny the diagnosis tonight. We're all sick, in need of healing, and this is the very thing that brings us to Jesus. No matter who you are, no matter where we've been, we all come to Jesus the same way, broken, helpless, and paralyzed. Guys, here's what it's like to live paralyzed by sin. It's hoping to live that full life, hoping to live a vibrant life, but being crushed by your own brokenness. If you guys ever had a dream, I've had one like this, where you're like running real fast. You're running real fast. You're maybe trying to escape some sort of bad guy chasing after you. And you're running real fast. Your arms are moving. Your legs are pumping. But you're actually like going backwards. Has that ever happened to you? Oh, my goodness. It's a very frustrating type of dream. Or maybe this is an even better one. This is kind of strange. I think I had this one of my years when I was starting college. I was trying to get ready for uh, school. But obviously, I was dreaming here. Because, you know, the, the excitement of a new school year, it creeps in even to your dreams. At least it did for mine. And I, I was trying to get ready to go pack my bag. And in this dream, I had my backpack open on a table. And I grabbed my laptop, put that in the backpack. Had my charger, put that, grabbed my book, right, my pen. Getting ready. Then I put my laptop in here, put that in my bag, and then my charger and then my pen, and then my charger again, and then my laptop, and I like look into the bag, and it's empty. Has that ever happened to you? Has anybody had these dreams like this? It's incredibly frustrating. My goodness. Okay, has any of you had a dream where you're like, I can, I'm getting a picture in my mind's eye right now of this dream. I'm sitting in a chair, and something scary is coming at me. I don't remember that part, but something scary is happening to me. And I need to scream for my mom. This is when I was a child. I need to scream for my mom. And I'm just like, bah. you know, nothing comes out, right? You're screaming at the top of your lungs trying to get mom's attention, but nothing comes out. Has any of you had a dream like that? Yeah, yeah, okay, that's what I thought. My goodness. It's a crazy experience. <laughs> I'm pretty sure everybody's had it, though. That's 
I don't understand dreams, to be honest with you. But anyway, it's incredibly frustrating, right? You're moving. You're screaming. You're packing your bag, but nothing actually is happening. You're paralyzed. Guys, some of you know what this is like in dream form, but some of you know what this is like when you're awake. You know what it's like to be moving, to be going about each and every day, striving for this and that, but you're not really going anywhere, are you? Paralyzed by sin, paralyzed and crushed by your own brokenness. Man, a paralyzed man cannot heal himself and a sinner cannot save themselves. But there is one who can. With man, this is impossible, but with God, anything is possible. And Jesus is locking eyes with you right now and saying, my child, I can heal you. I can forgive you. I can give you the life that you wanted. You are paralyzed by your sin, but you can be healed by Christ. Look at what happens next in verse 6. Now, some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts. Why does this man speak like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Okay, forgiveness. What really is that? What is forgiveness? It's, it's giving of yourself. It's absorbing the penalty of somebody's wrong against you. And so you say, I forgive you when a person hurts you because you're giving of yourself. You're saying, yeah, I'm going to give up and take on that penalty, that error, and I'm going to absorb that within myself. You don't say, I forgive you when somebody does something wrong against somebody else, right? That would just be silly. You're saying, I forgive you when somebody has done an error against you. And so here, Jesus is saying, his sins are forgiven. I forgive you to the wrongs committed against God. If Jesus is saying that, God is, uh, Jesus is claiming to be God, to have the authority to forgive sins. So it's no question, it's no wonder why these scribes, the people that knew the scriptures super well, are like, hey man, I don't know if you've got that authority to forgive the wrongs against God. Rightfully so. A curious question. They're basically saying, hey, Jesus is either delusional or he's God. He's either super whack, whack in the head thinking that he's got authority to forgive sins or he actually does have the authority to forgive sins because he is God in human form the Messiah, the Savior of the world, the Son of Man. We will see that he is very much one of those options, delusional or the Son of God. Look at what happens next. This is verse 8. Immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, he said to them, why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier? To say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven. Or to say, rise up, take up your bed and walk. 
But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Guys, this is crazy. First of all, Jesus is claiming to be God by forgiving a man his sin. Then the people who knew the super scripture super well were like, ah, I don't know if you can do that. And then he's like, okay, if you don't know that I have authority to forgive sins, which one's really easier to say that or to say, hey, you should get up to the paralyzed man. And then the paralyzed man says, okay, I will get up. And then he, and then he walks off. He healed a paralyzed man. Have you seen anything like that? Man, and these, it's leaving the people that were seeing this speechless because they knew that by what he had just done, he was proving that he indeed had the authority to forgive sins. He had the authority over brokenness, physical and spiritual. He had authority over everything. Jesus wasn't bluffing. And in this whole thing, proving that he is who he says he was. And he wants you to know tonight that forgiveness comes from him. He's got the authority. The authority comes from him, not from you. Forgiveness does not come from you or your ability to prove your worth to God. Forgiveness does not come from fixing yourself up, but forgiveness comes from the finished work of Jesus. Where did that happen? It happened on the cross. Guys, the reason that Jesus has the authority to forgive sins is because he absorbed the penalty if forgiveness is absorbing the penalty, then Jesus ultimately displayed absorbing the penalty for your sin on the cross. He took everything upon himself. He saw your error. He saw the things that were paralyzing you and said, let me take the fall for you. I don't want you to be paralyzed like that forever. I want to take the error from you and suffer for you. He died on the cross paying for sin and purchasing forgiveness for you. He took your sin away from you, took brokenness away from you, and laid it all upon his shoulders, saying, let me take your place. Guys, this is an unthinkable act of love. That God would lower himself and become man and be humble enough to die a death on the cross so that he could justly forgive you, taking the penalty completely away from you and all on himself. And to prove once and for all that he really was who he said he was, he did not stay dead, but he had the authority over all brokenness. He had the authority over all sin, over all darkness, and he proved that by rising from the grave. Guys, Jesus is alive and well right now. 
He raised from the dead three days after he was killed, and he actually appeared to 500 people. Some people got to touch his scars. Some people even got to eat breakfast with him. Can you imagine that? Man, that's how you know he's alive. You eat breakfast with him. He rose from the dead, proving that he, in fact, does have authority over sin, death, and the grave. When he rose, he had a physical body that people got to hang out with. And they gave, a, they gave us a glimpse of what we get with him. We get new life. We get a redeemed body. We get victory over death, power over brokenness, and freedom from sin for eternity, forever. It doesn't end. That's life with Jesus when we hear of his finished work and we say, yeah, I want that. But here's what it takes from us. It takes saying yes to Jesus' invitation to switch places with him. That means saying no to your old life. That means saying, man, I don't want my paralyzed self anymore. I want freedom from sin. I want power over brokenness. I don't want to be underneath the paralyzing nature of sin anymore. I want Jesus' life. It means saying no to yourself and saying yes to Jesus. But guys, that's such a beautiful invitation because if it was up to you, to earn what Jesus offers, you would never be able to do it. Guys, sometimes we think that this is all about us trying to earn right standing with God. That the way to heal ourselves is by finding it in ourselves, By just working a little bit harder. By trying to put on the face. I'm capable, aren't I? No, we're not capable. We're paralyzed without him. It's got to be grace. You guys know what grace is? It means we don't deserve it. But we get it as a gift. The good news of the gospel is that your relationship with God is not dependent upon how capable you are. It's about how capable God is. He's given you a free gift of new life, and it's available tonight to anybody who needs it. Guys, and we all need it. We all need it. If you are paralyzed by sin, you can be healed by Christ. And once that happens, you're in for a ride because, God, because Jesus is going to send you to a maze. Look at, look at what happens again at the end of this story, starting in verse 10. Jesus is saying, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. Guys, in one sentence, in one sentence, Jesus both heals him, completely changes his life forever, and gives him a very interestingly difficult task. Did you hear it? He says, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. This guy would have wanted 
nothing to do with his bed. It was the very symbol of brokenness, symbol of where he had been stuck for the last who knows how long. Whenever he would get a glimpse of that bed, he wouldn't want to touch that thing anymore, let alone would he want to carry it home and walk back to the place he was familiar with, carrying this symbol of shame. So what's going on here? Why would Jesus tell him to rise, pick up his bed, and go back to a familiar place? Jesus is giving the man victory over shame. That's what Jesus does for you. He not only heals you, but he sends you on a mission where there is not even an inkling of shame anymore. He gives you power over that shame. He's taking an artifact of shame, of guilt from the past, and he's turning it into a memorial of hope a symbol of grace. Something that when other people see it, they can say, man, if he can heal that guy, he can heal anybody. Tonight, Soul Company, you can pick up your bed and go home because your bed is your story. It's your story of salvation. Your bed is your story of grace, of how Jesus interrupted your life, flipped it upside down. And it wasn't something that you deserve, but it was something that was given to you freely. And it will amaze anybody that sees it. Your bed is your story. Don't hide it. Don't push it away. Use it. Love that there is something that you can see God's grace in your life, that he flipped it upside down, that he totally changed the trajectory of your life. You can pick up your bed and walk home tonight. You might not want anything to do with your past. You might hate who you were, hate what you did, hate how you felt. But God wants to use that story to amaze other people. You can leave this place free of shame because of Jesus. You were paralyzed by your sin, but you were healed by Christ, a new creation, free of guilt, free of shame. That's how you can enter this school year, confident that the grace of God covers all sin, forgives you completely, and you can walk confidently to your campus, confidently to your friend group, confidently to your family, your classmates, your teammates, and share the good news that Jesus heals a paralyzed person like you. Guys, the gospel was never meant to stop with one person. That's why Jesus sends him out. The gospel always comes to one person on its way to someone else. Where are you going to take it? Where are you going to take the good news of the gospel of grace that Jesus heals paralyzed people? Once you've been healed by Christ, he sends you out to amaze. And I'll close with this, guys. The vision of Salt Company is pretty clear and pretty simple. That we just want Jesus 
to be famous on the campus. We just want his name to be ringing in the ears of people on the campus because we believe that he actually does this kind of stuff, that he actually saves sinners who can't save themselves, and that that's the best news ever, that he invites them into a life worthy of living, a beautiful life full of joy and purpose. And so my prayer for you tonight is that you would see Jesus, that you would see a man of miracles, that you would see a man who has authority to forgive you of your sin, authority to help you stand up, to pick up your bed and go home, that he is beautiful. So would you just see him tonight? Would you hear his invitation to be forgiven? Would you come to him? Let's pray together. God, thanks so much for this sweet story in Mark chapter 2. I love the sweet imagery of friendship that we get. That really the point of friendship is to draw people close to Christ. God, thanks so much that you don't leave us paralyzed, but when we meet you, you address the most serious problem of our sin, and you say, son, you're forgiven. God, this is a sweet gift that I'm so thankful for personally. God, you changed my life in college. And so it's just an honor to be able to share this story with these students. I pray that they would see you tonight. Pray that they would fall in love with you. Whether we're meeting you for the first time or interacting with you, just like we do every day, God, I pray that right now we would just be able to be with you, to see you for who you truly are, to love your gospel of grace. Thank you for giving everything of yourself so that we could have life. You are worthy of our praise. You're worthy of our worship. So I pray that we would worship you rightly now in song. Fix our eyes on you, Jesus, and change us to be more like you. We pray this in your name. Amen.